What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You're listening to the Quick Cage. And Frank, which Nicolas Cage movie are we talking about this week? Uh, so we're going to talk about a 2014 espionage slash political thriller called um, slash uh, dementia awareness movie <laughs> um, called The Dying of the Light. Uh, directed by Paul Schrader. Um, originally was supposed to be directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, um, hmm. but he had to uh, back out because he got the funding to make Drive, so he's a producer on it. Um, stars Nicholas Cage. Um, what's his name? Anton Yelchin or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. Um, some other like people that you would recognize whose names I can't remember, but you know, just like standard like c-list character actors um the premise of the movie is nicholas cage is a aging cia agent so he's like in his 50s i think um that basically sacrificed his whole life for the agency um including a pretty like violent beatdown by a um jihad leader uh when he was in his like 30s or whatever Um, that caused him to suffer like pretty traumatic brain damage and has led to him have this, they talk about what the thing is. I can't remember what exact disease he has, but it's like basically some kind of early onset dementia, but in the frontal lobe. So it's like much more aggressive. Um, and it causes, right. That's the thing that, uh, right. That's the thing that like people claim that Trump has. Well, I mean like, so it's a pretty one. prescient. It's a pretty prescient performance by him if he's trying to imitate Trump because that's basically who he is in this movie. Okay. Um, very aggressive, very easily angered and annoyed, um, easily confused as well. Um, so the premise is that you know some odd years after this happened, um, the guy that was torturing him was presumed dead, but Nicolas Cage's character has always thought that he was still alive. Um, he's been a desk jockey for the better part of like a decade and a half, um, just trying to get back in the field. But he's got like some lingering medical concerns where they don't want him out in the field. Um, so some evidence comes up that the guy may still be alive, but nobody believes him because they just kind of want to bury the whole thing. Like they want him to stop pursuing it, mostly because they're concerned for him because they know that he's been like going to the doctors and he has this mental like deterioration. Right. Um, so he freaks out. He gets fired slash quits the CIA. Um, and then him and Anton Yelchin travel to Romania to track down this lead. Um, and then he masquerades as a doctor that the jihadist is like paying to um, help him cure an incurable disease that he has. Um, and that's you know i mean some other stuff happens 
Um, in the end, like Nicholas Cage basically sacrifices himself to take out the jihadist. And I guess like the thing is that even though he's died alone and like unmourned by his country, like he's somehow like done his best to serve whatever, like the greater good. Um, it's very, it's actually kind of like very libertarian in its bent because it's really anti-liberal, but it's also sort of anti-conservative. Like it's basically one of those things where the only people that matter are the people that are doing things and everyone else is just kind of a glad-handing asshole. And um, there's a line where he tells the director of the CIA, you've had your head so far up Obama's asshole for the last, like, four years. I don't know. Um, it, that sounds very, like Trump, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, I mean, I'm telling you. Like, the only thing that's different is Nicolas Cage's character is a drunk. So, um, I guess he drinks to somehow, like, dull, like, the pain in his brain or whatever. Um, and Trump, you know, like, avows that he never drinks. I actually Which is don't, another reason why I don't, I don't trust him. I don't but. know Paul Schrader's politics at all, honestly. Um, I don't know. It's just Paul Schrader. So the movie is um, movie's garbage uh, for the most part. Like it's um, that's see that's a twist. I did not expect that. The way you were describing it, I actually thought it was going to end up being a thing where it's like it's all right. Like <laughs> no. So well, here's the thing. So Schrader, um, after he submitted the movie, the studio recut it and rescored it, mm-hmm. and like it's a completely different edit. So the version that was released theatrically, which is what is on um, Prime, maybe I watched it. It's streaming somewhere. It was on Prime, I'm pretty sure. Um, The version that's there is not like his version. And he claims is much worse. So there was something that he released. He released a version. I think he just calls it like the Schrader version. Because he had like some DVDs of the dailies. So he recut a version version that he released through BitTorrent and some other kind of like torrenting site, like Pirate Bay maybe. Um, that's his version of the movie. So if I liked it more, I might like seek that out and try and watch it. But it's honestly like just kind of a dumb thriller anyway. I mean, I didn't really care about it. And political intrigue is not really my bag. Like I'm not a huge fan of the whole like, number one, I think that, like Islamists and jihadists are like the cheapest way to get like a pop anymore. It's like putting a Nazi in a movie or like making a movie about like exorcism and having the devil be your enemy. Like it's just too easy. Like it's whatever. It's just trash. Um, And I, you know, I just, I don't know. I didn't care about him as a character. Most people aren't responsible with that material at all. So like in terms of like giving it any kind of, any kind of nuance. I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's just the cut. And it might just be the way they cut the movie because they definitely make it very one-sided. Like, if you're not on Nicolas Cage's side, you're basically, like, a anti-American, like, douchebag that doesn't want to get anything done and just wants things to, like, be terrible in the world. So is this um, more... Is this, is this, like, more 24 or more Mission Impossible in terms of the, like, what it wants to be? So imagine taking like imagine it's it, it's it's more twenty four with like a little bit of Mission Impossible, but then mixed with like the Father Dowling mysteries or something. <laughs> because he really is right. just like a bitter old man. Like 
And he doesn't, like, get verbal clues anymore, and he doesn't understand, like, nuance because his mental faculties are deteriorating. Sure. Um, so it's shit like they're in this, like, posh restaurant in Romania, and he's meeting with this woman that's a journalist turned spy that he used to have a um, romantic affiliation with. And he just starts smoking a cigarette in this restaurant and they gets all angry when like the waiter's like, sir, this is not a smoking section. Like you can't smoke in here. And he's like, this is Romania. You can't tell me I can't smoke anywhere. I can smoke everywhere in Romania. Smoke them up. And then like puts his cigarette out in like a, a glass or something. And Anton Yelchin's like, look, I'm sorry. You know, let's like forgive him, please. But, there's like a, a dozen outbursts like that because they're really trying to show the fact that um, they're that, really honing in on the idea that he's losing his ability to control like his responses or his anger or whatever. Now, are the outbursts Cage like doing Cage kind of outbursts, oh, or it's, it's it's the best Cage doing Cage, like it's Cage doing Cage who's imitating a person with dementia who likes Nicolas Cage. So, like, he's channeling something that's both himself, but also, like, completely different from him. Mm. I mean, when when he's in the CIA director's office, because they call him in, and they're like, listen, um, I can't remember the character's name. It's it's a dumb name. Like, listen, you know, Nick Cage surrogate. Um, you know, you've been visiting this neurologist in Philadelphia, and even though you're driving two and a half hours out of the way to do it, we're the CIA. Like, we know what you're doing. We're concerned about you. We want you to get medical help. Like, here's this famous neurologist from D.C., and he's like, you're just trying to silence me because you know that I know the truth, and you've got somebody's hand in your pocket trying to tell you that I can't read. Like, Bastion or something is the name of the fucking jihadist. And that's when he's like, you've had Obama's head so far up your ass for the past two years. And he's like, fuck you, fuck you. And then they fire him. Mm. Um, then as they're firing him, he's like, I fucking quit. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. Mm. Holy in, shit. in the end, like he dies, the jihadist dies, you know, Anton Yelchin like honors his memory because Nick Cage is this um oh, and like the opening scene. If you really like I would say that if you, because I know that this movie is for somebody, like, there's someone that likes this kind of movie. They're just not somebody I really want to know. Um, the opening segment is Nick Cage giving, like, this commencement speech at CIA, like, I don't know, summer camp or some shit, where like, he's... Yeah, like the Langley training or whatever. Huh? Yeah, it's this new class of, like, recruits, and he's, like, basically... Why the fuck are you in the CIA? No one likes the CIA. I'll tell you why you're here, because you heard the call. It was 9-11. It was, you were on the baseball field. I don't know, like, all this, like, bullshit. And it's very, like, it's very, like, pro, I don't know. That really creepy, like, pro-American where, like, if you argue against it, like, you can get immediately branded as being, like, a non-patriot or, like, someone who hates America. But it's just, like, that really uncomfortable, like, pro-American stuff. Yeah. And again, like, I don't think that's Paul Schrader, you know? I really think that's the way they cut the movie, and I think that they probably... I think the Schrader's version is probably a much more nuanced look at someone who's experiencing 
you know, like onset dementia, like somebody who's had, you know, I mean, because they, they portray him as being a guy who's been really smart, very influential in the CIA, like someone who's very respected by his peers and like, like younger people, but who just is unable to do the job anymore and is obsessed with the idea that this guy who tortured him at one point is still out there and is still trying to get him. And honestly, like, it would have been a much more interesting movie if you didn't know if that was true, but they show you like so early on that it is true that there's right. no suspense to it. You know, like, you know, if you've seen a movie ever in your life, like, you know, that it's going to end with both of them dying, that like Nick Cage is going to sacrifice himself, you know, for the greater good. And like, that's going to be the end result. And to me, that's like really boring. And I would have been much more interested if it was almost like, like a psychological horror movie where like, the horror is, is this, like, formerly competent, you know, man, like, losing his faculties so much that he's deluded himself into thinking that this person who's dead is alive. Like, it would have been so much more interesting to see, you know, an hour and a half, because this movie's over two hours long, too. This was a fucking investment of my life. What? Like, Really? Oh, yeah. It's like it said it was 94 minutes. Is it? Yeah. I swear to God, that shit was like two hours and four minutes. Maybe I watched... Oh, no, you know what it was? I watched that um, Rucker Hauer movie last night. Um, mm. uh, Blood and whatever. I can't even remember what it was called. It was, really, it was really good. It was the Sword and, Sword and Sandal movie from with Rucker Hauer. Yeah. Um, so, so with that plot, the plot that you're describing, honestly, in a lot of ways is... And I know you don't remember this show that well, but it, it's the second season of Sleeper Cell. Oh, I never really watched. I I watched some of it. You watched. Season. You watched all of it. Uh, you just don't. You, you just didn't like it that much. Yes, that's the way to put it. Right. I liked it okay. I mean, there was parts of it I liked. Right. Yeah. There was things that had a lot of promise that didn't quite get fulfilled, and there was some things that were really good. And you know, but yeah. But I like the Canadian jihadists listening to um, Tribe Called Quest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like being really into I left my wallet in El Segundo. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so like if you would have found out in the last like 20 minutes of the movie that Nicolas Cage was justified and this guy was still alive, but that he was also suffering from this debilitating disease and these two like former whatever, like warriors that had given their all on the battlefield were now like dying together that's a cool movie you know what i mean like i could like even though i'm not really down with like the politics behind it like that's a really interesting premise and i think it would have been good but the fact that like you know the whole time that nicholas cage is right like there's just no all it is is like it's like the ultimate like masterpiece fantasy of like i think like every old man who believes that like his conspiracy theories are correct and it's just like look see he was right he was right about everything like we should listen to people with you know onset dementia and their theories and I don't know that's probably going to sound like an asshole but that's kind of what it feels like you know yeah so anyway so uh, did, so real quick did um I just saw that Irene Jacob was in this did they give her anything to do or yeah she's she's fine she plays um she plays his former lover the one that like was a journalist and then she kind of became a um. I don't know, like an operative sort of, and she's she's fine. It's there's some really poignant stuff, honestly, between and not really poignant, but poignant enough. I mean, 
as much shit as I give Nicolas Cage, like, Nicolas Cage is, a, like, definitely an adequate actor. And even when he's just chewing scenery, he's still, unless he's completely divested in the role he's in, and I think he really was into this role. Like, he, he gives a good performance, you know, and he'll have, like, really good moments. And there's some scenes between the two of them where you feel like there's definitely that unrequited love, and he tried to get her to marry him, and she wouldn't do it, and now he's basically lived his life alone. Like, that's, this is what I'm talking about when I say that if they had done this movie differently, where the focus was more just on him as a character and you having to, like, decide whether you believe him or not for the majority of the movie, like, it would have been really good. Right. But it's not, and it's a piece of shit. Like, it's an awful movie. Yeah. So did oh you God, look this up so on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, By any chance? I believe I saw the score. I looked it up on um, Wikipedia because I wanted to see. Like I, whenever, so when I watch these Nick Cage movies, I always like to look at um, the production section of Wikipedia, like just to see if there's anything crazy about it. Because I'm always assuming something crazy is happening. Um, so I think I saw that it was like pretty poorly reviewed. Yeah, it's eight eight percent from critics. Yeah. But three, it's only th- like twelve reviews or something. No, right? it's three. No, it's three out of thirty-three reviews were positive. Yeah, it's probably like the Christian Science Journal. Um, nope. Um, New York Times. Um, what? On on a commercial level, Dying of the Light sometimes plays as just another high concept vehicle for a comically overacting Mr. Cage, but Mr. Schrader's vision is strong enough to rage against the hackier calculations. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, David Jenkins of Little White Lies, I have, I have used, we have used him on the podcast before, says that there are some great ideas here, and the film as a whole does make for cheerfully compulsive viewing. No, well, they, oh, okay. I don't know what movie, maybe that's like Raising Arizona or something that he was watching, because there's nothing mm-hmm. cheerful or compulsive about this viewing. And then the last positive one, John Lias, um from heyyouguys.com says despite all the formulaic flaws and reworkings of Schrader's original artistic vision Cage steals the show yeah I mean what's he stealing it from though you know what I mean yeah is he stealing it from Yanton no he's because he's fine yeah that's a shame about that kid he's good yeah he's his normal like yeah you know competent self like he, it's, right. it, 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 so this is the thing is there's no there's no bad performances there's no really like egregious thing where you say like oh my god this scene was so poorly filmed or whatever it's just that like the whole time i'm thinking like i just wish this was a different movie yeah and I can't believe that this movie is as long as it is. And now that you told me it was 94 minutes, I fucking swear to God this movie was like over two hours when I watched it. I wonder how different that can be, though, that, that, that reworked version that he put out. I, I didn't read anything about it. Like, I tried to find stuff about it, mm-hmm. but he they all have um, very strong non-disclosure agreements or, like, non-disparagement agreements. So they're not allowed to say anything bad about the movie, so none of them can talk about the movie. All that um, Schrader can say is basically the movie that was released was not the movie that I filmed, and that's it. Right. So, like, no. there's no interviews with him that I could find. I so mean, it was Rob, a very, like, 
Rotten Tomatoes lied to me. It just, you know, uh, for credit, that, that the the person who wrote that uh, "Hey, you guys" review is Gloria Daniels Moss. Um, I was just reading what she had to say, and because she, in her last paragraph, talks about how, for all like the good things that I had going for it, it felt like it was um, that the film wasn't by a, somebody who had worked with Scorsese and Brett Easton Ellis, um, and that uh, it seemed like the script was there, the talent was there, um, and it was all twisted and distorted. Um, it seems like there is some kind of conversation uh, that's coming out. She's, so she's talking about what you you, you described, um, and she wonders what it, if if his version would have been any better um, than what this was. Okay, so well, this, I, isn't, this I, isn't a positive review. Fucking Rotten Tomatoes, they, they do some weird shit sometimes. They probably read the first paragraph. Right, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's the thing is, it's one of those weird movies where, like, usually when a movie's bad, it's just bad. You know what I mean? And you can like say like, okay, like here's all the bad things about it. But it's so, per I don't know. It's just so oddly bad, like that it shouldn't be, and it, but it is. So I don't know. Like I, I, I. Okay, so yeah, I, score score it for me. Like what's what's the hey, movie overall? First of all, uh, overall movie is a three. Like okay. it's definitely not worth watching. Three out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Cage performance is a six out of ten because like you'll laugh a few times and he definitely like when he explodes, it's pretty funny. It because it's almost like because the way that it it's edited, it's very much self parody sometimes. Um, but it's also kind of sad. But I mean, he's it's it's a good performance, like legitimately. It's just I don't know. It's just such a bad movie. Unfortunately. Yeah. What, um, this is another one I had never heard of before. So this is one of those ones where I'm, you know, like I like I like the surprise cage movies where I like don't remember them and I just watch them and, you know, they're usually not great, but at least like it's something. Has I'm just trying to look here. Has this dude? We'll have to talk about Paul Schrader one day. Um, because has this dude ever directed a good movie? Paul Schrader. A uh, hardcore he directed. Yeah, hardcore is really good. Yeah, hardcore is good. I mean, he's a better screenwriter, I think, than a director. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me look at his filmography real quick. I mean, he write he writes Taxi Driver, like that's what gets him on the map. Um, Blue Collar is a fine movie. Oh no, Yakuza he wrote too. I see that now. I hardcore is a up. fine movie. Right. Cat People's a good movie. Mishima, is, that, is that a remake of the old Cat Walk? It's Cat the one with um. The one with the Bowie soundtrack. Oh, okay, I gotcha. But now Fire with Gasoline. Oh Tasha. God, I, I haven't seen that since I was a child. Right. Um, Mishima: Life in Four Chapters is a great movie. I never seen that. Um, a lot of these I haven't seen. Autofocus is a good movie about um, uh, what's his name? The guy that directed a uh, Peeping Tom that was like a like amateur pornographer or whatever. Hmm. He wrote Mosquito Coast, which I actually like that movie a lot. Uh, the Canyons is a terrible movie. The Canyons is the famous um, Lindsay Lohan, like, softcore, basically. Oh, right. That's, That's the Freddie like, Stiles one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, yeah. really artsy, but... Uh, right. Oh, he did, he, did, he did Touch? He touches ter- I don't, That's a terrible movie. That is... Um, I think oh, it's that, based on Elmore Leonard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not a great book in the first place, but um, at least it's fun a little bit. And um, 
the like the plot's not there, but the story's kind of fun. Like, and the characters are a little fun. But um, it's a terrible fucking movie. Um, it was supposed to be some sort of like Skeet Ulrich, um, like vehicle with before bomb. That's somebody that needs a vehicle if anybody. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You directed Affliction. I forgot about that too. Even though we just talked about that movie like half a year ago. No, I just oh there it is. Yeah, it's right under touch. Same year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, there's there's some decent stuff yeah. there. Although I think I, I I think I felt the direction was the worst part of the affliction, if I remember correctly. Shit, fucking fucking raging bull and rolling thunder and taxi driver. I mean, there's yeah, like that's a man that definitely has some talent. But absolutely, yeah, no, and, and works like, with, with a lot of great directors too. I mean, yeah, like I'm I'm saying that there's definitely like you can see some things here. I I just wish it was different. Like I wish that I could have like made that movie differently and then i think i would have enjoyed it. i think i would have been really pleasantly surprised if they just would have done some different i things. think when you get some distance from this i think you need to watch the um the the recut if you can find it yeah i'm, I'm gonna try to i mean it's gonna be a little while i mean yeah. that'll be a good other like secondary quick cage right yep like a re-review of this right. movie yep i don't yep. know it's so you asked is it more like 24 or um uh Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. and I think that's the problem. Is I think that the studio was like, "Shit, like no one's gonna care about this fucking movie about a guy getting dementia. We got to make this like 24." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then this is what you get. Sorry, right. that's sad. Okay. So, what are you thinking? Anything? Anything on tap for next week, or are you still um, thinking about it? So, what did I tell you? I still got like. Because I just watched this movie. You got six in the can, right? Like you said. like Monday night? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I got um, I got six more I can go without even tapping into movies I've seen before we started this. Right. Um, before I have to watch a new one. So, we'll see. Gotcha. I actually... um, Oh, in case you're interested, that Primal movie that we talked about mm-hmm. um, comes to Prime this month for free. Oh, okay. So, I should not have paid for it, which I did. Um, you never know. You never. No, know I know price. I shouldn't have paid for it. No, like no, that's not. It. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying. That oh like no, I, I know what you're saying. I'm saying that I could have gone a long time. Right. So let me let me bring this up because this is kind of related. So I was browsing through um, the stuff that's coming out on Netflix, HBO Plus, Disney Plus, or HBO Max, Disney Plus, Hulu, and Prime, and I noticed that. When Hulu has a movie come out, Amazon Prime gets the movie the same week, like seven times out of ten. And it's not like big releases. It's these weird, like small movies. Yeah. So I don't understand, like. Does Tubi also get it? Do you know? They don't have Tubi on the list that I was reading. So I don't. But Prime and Hulu are the same. And it's like. It's just weird. I mean, I, it really makes me feel justified in my decision to get rid of Hulu because I'm realizing that I'm not missing anything except for, like, the satisfaction of you being able to watch shit on TV and, like, a Sure, but honestly, everybody. At, at, with everybody getting all these streaming services and stuff, what's the one thing left that I would be watching? And then, honestly, it's like if I want to watch now – um, cause what was I watching on there? Good place when it was on, but I could have honestly waited and just watched it on Netflix when it was done. Brooklyn um, Nine-Nine, too, I think. Right? Brooklyn Nine-Nine was the other one, right? So, yeah. um, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine will now be on Peacock. 
Oh, right. So that's like gone. And then I was watching the Orville, um, the oh, uh, yeah. that sci-fi show. Brandy and I were watching it. Oh, right. Huh? Didn't that get canceled or something? Um, it's on like a. Uh, it was it was supposed to be like pushed back to like a mid season type thing because I think they're only going to do like ten episodes a year, um, and then there was some talk about a new production company, but it was still going to continue. But then COVID hit and everything is just up in the air. Who the fuck knows? So here's one other thing I want to talk about too because this like talking about the streaming services reminds me of it. Mm-hmm. And I texted you guys this the other night, like our group chat. So Disney is going to release Mulan on streaming in September. For $30. Do you know about this? No. So for a, a one-time $30. This was, a, this was in the thread? Yeah, I don't think you... you, you know, it was the night that... It was last night, so you were dealing with other shit, with the weather and everything. Gotcha, right. So Disney has announced that Mulan is getting released in September. It'll be $30, and you have to subscribe to Disney+, Plus, but then you'll have an additional charge of 30 bucks, <laughs> and you'll be able to watch it. Like, basically, mm-hmm. it's like a... You know, like the prime, like, 24-hour window rental right so i was thinking like if that movie can make a hundred million dollars in a short period of time like a week or so streaming Mm -hmm. i think that's the death knell of the movie theater industry like i think that's the end i agree with you but i don't see it happening well why not why not so are you gonna spend 30 dollars for it no, but the how many people do you? How many people do you know that would spend thirty dollars on it? Plus, plus the subscription for the month. Well, so I know spending, a lot of people. So what? You're spending forty dollars? Is that right? Roughly. Yeah, but so you have five people that watch it. I mean, that's a lot cheaper than going to the movie theater to see it. Right. Let's say it was Dune, the um, Blade Runner Dune, um, the Dune movie, right? Yeah, and me, you, Orion, Bledsoe. We like, I'd pay thirty dollars for all four of us to watch it hmm. in like a second. Hmm. And like each of you give me what, like five bucks? I mean, yeah, that's, that's no very more. Kind of, that's very kind. The of cost. Me. Well, I'm saying, like, how much more is that than the cost of me going to the movies to see it? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't see many people like taking. To, I don't know. I don't, I don't see people doing that. Dude, the Trolls movie that came out in the beginning of COVID made fifty million dollars in a week. And that movie looks like shit. So, I don't know. Yeah, but that was the beginning. I, I, don't, I don't think you can count that. I, I think that's... I, I don't think... I, give it a, get, Release that movie now, and what would it make? And I don't think it makes that much. So, Gentleman's Wager, I'm going to say that Mulan, in its first week of release on Disney+, Plus, makes $80 million. I, I honestly believe that's true. And I think if it makes that much, I think you'll see... Within like a month, Black Widow release, and it'll be the same thing. Right. I think um, within with how how long did you say eighty million? Oh. A week a from week? the first night that it's released until a week after. A week. Um, I I thought about this last night. I almost texted you, but I didn't know like what you were dealing with. I don't want to bother you. Yeah. If I was in charge of a studio, what I would do is I would release a movie for the first week at thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and then after ten days, twenty dollars. And then after 20 days, $15. But when it goes down to $15, I would release it on DVD for $20. So I would have like, say, a five-week window, six-week window, where at decreasing cost, it was only available to stream, and then would release it on 
a media. Like, this is, this is literally making me sick to like talk about, like, <laughs> <laughs> like because like I, the idea that people would pay forty dollars, like this, that's so much worse than us paying nineteen ninety nine for DVD at Walmart, like back in the day when something first came out. Um, like that's like the, that's like double the price. And I don't, it's, that's a lot of money, man. That's but you go somewhere that somebody's house that has a nice TV and like comfortable couches and everybody chips in seven or eight bucks and then you bring food and you have booze and like, I mean, uh, to me, I don't know. I don't think that's that bad of a deal. I mean, I think you're thinking, or I mean, right. I mean, it would be interesting to see what happened if you started doing that in a year from now, maybe, or a year and a half from now. But that's why you do it now because you get people conditioned to the idea of it, and then they don't want to go. Motherfuckers aren't breaking. Got a fucking pandemic. Because right now the movie theaters aren't open. Right. So you condition them while the movie theaters are closed, and even okay. So maybe your biggest releases you still release in the theater, but like something like Waves, you know what I mean? And not that Waves would have made a fortune, but how much did Waves make in the theater? You know what I mean? You can't price Waves at forty dollars. No, so that's the other thing, too. I, I didn't mention that. There's tiers to it. So, like, Mulan is 30 because Mulan is, like, a quote-unquote blockbuster. Right. But, you know, the indie, like, horror movie from whatever, like, Eggers is 15 bucks. I 100% would pay $15 the first week to watch a Robert Eggers movie in my home. And so what? And then, like, you know, then the shit tier, like, of, like, pay the ghost to, like, is... Ten bucks. Ten bucks? Oh, okay. Or seven ninety nine. Okay. I mean, fuck, how many DVDs are you selling of it? You know what I mean? And you're still releasing it day and date in Walmart. So you release it in Walmart for eleven ninety nine, or it's streaming rental for seven ninety nine. You ain't gonna release it. I was, I, I was just getting just starting to get back in the idea of like actually enjoying the movies like don't take that away <laughs> why fuck I'm marketing I, genius. Yeah. I, I, i'd like to go to a movie again someday you know what a hundred percent you know that i want to go to the movies too like i miss going to the movies so much i'm just saying that like i miss watching movies too like i have no patience to wait this shit out like i want to see shit now Right. And if that makes me a bad person, then... And you know what? Also, fuck Martin Scorsese. That's the other reason why. <laughs> why, exactly? Because Scorsese came out and said about, like, the... The Marvel movies aren't cinema. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. being in a theater and sure. whatever. And, like, I agree with that. And I agree with Tarantino and, like, all these people, you know, fucking asshole cock face what's his name um inception nolan christopher nolan yeah like i understand like tenant got to be released in the theater but man nobody cares really i don't know that's a that's a that's that's a dismal world that you're painting for me like to like the idea that's like everybody's just gluttonous and can just get this shit if you're spending the amount right right amount of money like you can just get shit just fed to you right on your screen constantly like i mean well, uh, going to the movies you still gotta spend that money yeah but I, I don't know there's an experience there that's like 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you get that experience. Like you know, whatever. A hundred. Like, look, I have some of my greatest memories are sitting in a movie theater watching a movie for the first time. But I mean, I want. I want to see stuff. Like, I don't want to wait forever to have to see like these movies come out. And like, who knows how long it's going to take for theaters to open back up for real? You know. And I don't want to wait. So. Okay. All right. Well, you probably trying, won't trying to, have to wait, to you know? Life, What's that? Just trying to live my best life here. Okay. Whatever. You'd have so many movies to go see in the theater. Like, I don't got time for that. I'm going to go see, like... What? It's, 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 a, it's a fucking... It's a fucking 20-minute drive. Yeah, but then I got to give up a whole Saturday to go do it. Man, I don't even, like, get dressed on Saturday until, like, 4 or 5 o'clock most weeks now. It's amazing. All right. So, you know, I guess there are some things that speak to going to the movies. Because there is, like, the the bar lunch. The the pre or post. Like, you know, yeah. Or both. Right. All right. So, quick cage. Yep. I'll have something new next week. Yeah, you know, we actually spent a lot of time actually talking about the movie this week. I thought it was a really interesting movie to talk about. Yeah. It's one of the first times where I really felt like there was something compelling aside from what was actually happening in the movie <laughs> to discuss. And like also like in real analysis of what was happening in the movie. So, right. yeah. Okay, so we'll be back next week with one of your six in the can movies. Or who knows, maybe a new one. A surprise new one. Yeah. Maybe. Of course, we're all surprised at you because I didn't tell you what I haven't talked about yet. So, right, it's true. So, I'm always surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't even ask anymore until we get on the podcast most of the time. So. All right, then. All right, have a good night, everybody. Good night.